My name's Matt Bell, if you're new to Destiny, and I'm the pastor here at the church, and we're so glad to have you here with us. At Destiny, we believe that God has a divine calling, a divine purpose, a divine plan for everyone, and uh, we are fulfillment in our lives is found as we live that out, as we follow the plan of God that He has for our lives. We're continuing a series today called Jesus' Favorite Stories as we take a, a look each week at a different parable that Jesus taught. Jesus taught in parables, and a parable is a teaching that has a uh, hidden beneath the surface a spiritual truth. It's a short story, a, a very practical story oftentimes, but beneath the surface there's a, a profound and and spiritual truth, and so we've taken uh, uh, several months as a church to look at and to examine uh, these different parables that Jesus taught. Today our parable is from Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25 is where we will be uh, today. And I want to ask you, as you're opening there in your Bibles, to Matthew chapter 25, what, what do you define success as. How do you define success? I think all of us in life would say that we hope we are successful in life, right? We do not want to get to the end of our lives, to the last day of our life, and look back and say, well, I think I failed. I think I was a failure. I do not think I have been successful with the life I've been Given, I don't think that is anyone's aim. Yet, if we're honest, as we look around the world, we can probably find some people who are failing at life. Nobody in here, of course, but there are, there, there are people who make it to the end of their lives and they say, if I had it to do over again, I would do it totally different. How do you define success? What does it look like to you? You know, our culture that we live in, uh, without a doubt, the most materialistic culture the world has ever known, defines success as the accumulation of material wealth and possessions. The more you have, the more successful you are as defined by our culture. How many of you would agree with that statement? That's the highest value. Our temples are our malls, and that's where we go to worship. The altar is the checkout counter where we give our offering to that which we worship. Our identity is found in possessions. That's the world that we live in. That's the culture that we live in. Success is defined by possessions. And we have to fight against that idea because that's not how God looks at and defines success at all. And because we grow up in this and we live in this every single day, it's constantly being fed into our soul and to our spirit. And so we make judgments of people all the time 
based on the kind of clothes that they wear, the kind of car that they drive, the kind of house that they live in, how much money they make, because that's the value of, of success in our culture. But a more important question is not how our culture defines success, but how does God define success? Well, what does success look like in God's eyes? When you get to the end of your life, the Bible tells us that we will all give an account to God for our lives. How many of you would like to know by what standard God is going to measure whether you were successful or not in your life? Well, thankfully, God has given us his word that shows us. You know, um, just to be a little more precise this morning, um, if we are in Christ, uh, our sins are forgiven. Amen. Amen. And so you will not be judged for your sin because Christ has already paid the price for your sin. Amen. That the judgment where, where Christ judges the world of sin, that is called the great white throne judgment at the end of the age. And those who are not in Christ, those who have not had their sins forgiven, those who have rejected God and rejected Christ, they will be cast with the devil and demons into the eternal conscious torments of hell. Not a good place to go. That's why we're really glad that our sins are forgiven. Amen. Amen. Those of you who are in Christ, you will not be taking part of the great white throne judgment. That is good news. Amen. Now, in addition to the great white throne judgment, there's also something called the judgment seat of Christ. And this is where believers will go. And we will not be judged for our sin because our sin has already been paid for. But we will give an account to God for the work that we did for him. And rewards will be dished out accordingly. Eternal rewards. Rewards that do not break, that do not fade away. A couple years ago, last year I think it was, my son Judah at school, in his class, he goes to a Christian school and um, he won the Christian Character Award. And so me as, you know, Heather and I as parents, we were so proud of him, you know. We kind of wish that that kid that went to school would sometimes show up at home with that Christian character. <laughs> Nevertheless, he gets it all out at school. Okay, we understand that. Anyway, he gets this trophy, right? And he's so happy and he's so proud. Five minutes after he gets home, his sister drops it and breaks it. Five minutes. And um, it was a great opportunity for him to exercise his Christian <laughs> character. It, it worked out okay. Um, so the point being that the rewards that Christ will give to his people for service unto him are eternal rewards. 
but they're dished out, dished out in proportion to the work that we've done for him. Some of you will say, well, that doesn't seem very fair. And the truth is, no, that's actually very fair. <laughs> so anyway, uh, all of that to say, what does success look like? What will, uh, uh, what, what, by what standard will he be measuring these things when, when we approach the, the, the uh, judgment seat of Christ? Um, just to be extremely technical for you, that when, when talking of the judgment seat of Christ in the, in the New Testament, the word that's used there in the Greek language is the same word for a judge that would judge Olympians in, in athletic performance in Rome. And so what they're, what, think about the games that they would play, the Olympic games and how, based on how you performed, you would get the bronze medal or the silver medal or the gold medal. That's the same word that's used when talking about the judgment seat of Christ. And so we will only go there to receive rewards for how we've lived out our Christian life before the Lord. So that's what our parable is, is dealing with today. When, when Jesus returns, and let me tell you something, Jesus is returning. Amen. Amen. Now, we don't know when, but we do know that we don't have a lot of time. Our time is short. Jesus could return before this service is over. Do you believe that? And how great would that be? Amen. I think that would be great. Jesus could return this week. He could return next month. He could return this year. We don't know when he is returning, but what we do know is that our time is short. Uh, even, even if he does not return in our lifetimes, our time is still incredibly short. The Bible says our life is like a vapor. It's here today and it's, it's gone tomorrow. How many of you have found that time is, is just flying by? I, I, I turn around and five years goes by and I'm like, where did it go? Time is incredibly fast and short. The Bible says our life is like a vapor. It's here today, it's gone tomorrow. So whether or not Christ returns in our life or we stand before him at the end of our lives, our time is short. We must make the most of the time that we have. And so this is the answer that Jesus is going to give. He's going to help us understand what he is looking for from his people when he returns. So let's pray before we get into the text this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we believe that these are your words. Lord, this teaching is straight from you, straight from your mouth. Lord, in our Bibles, these letters are read because you spoke them. Lord, as we come to your word, we don't come as a, as a teacher, but Lord, we take the position of a student, that you would teach us through your word, that you would instruct our hearts, that you would instruct our minds, that you would align our wills to help us to live for you, that, that Lord, in this fallen world of, of so many different values and priorities and definitions of success, Lord, that you would push the reset button in our minds of, of how we view these things and, and help us to see things the way you see things, because that ultimately is the truth. 
We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus saying that his kingdom, when he comes and when he returns, in verse, verse 14, it will be like this. It will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants together and entrusted them with his property. To one servant, he gave five talents. Now, this word talent, we don't uh, use that word in our language, and so it doesn't mean much to us. But let me tell you that a talent is a, a unit of measure in Jesus' day, and it was 20 years' wages. One talent is 20 years' wages. And so just think about that. Use whatever metric you want. You, you say, say, let's take $30,000 as a salary, okay? Modest salary. 20 years of that, one of the talents, that would be $600,000. Now, to the first servant, he entrusts five talents. That is 100 years wages. If you take it at $30,000, that's like $3 million. No, yeah, $3 million, something like that. Anyway, I'm not good at doing math in my head. So he entrusts to his servant five talents, $3 million, to another two talents, that's $1.2 million, to another one talent. What is, by what standard does he entrust these talents to his servants? It says he did it each according to their own ability, and then he went away. He who had received five talents went at once and traded in the markets, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents went and made two talents more. These were faithful servants. But he who had received one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. You see, we get here the idea that this master went away for a long time and they did not know when he was returning. And it is like us. Jesus has gone into heaven and he has said, I am coming back one day. But we don't know when he is coming back. We do know that he is coming back. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, You delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. Now to me, three million dollars is just a little bit more than a little. But to God who owns everything, it's nothing. He says, You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. What Jesus is saying here is that whatever we've been entrusted with, no matter how much it is, 
It's so insignificant compared to the rewards in heaven. I have set you over little, but now he says, I'm going to set you over much. The reward far outweighs the work that had been done. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have at least received interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. But from him who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So the master is returning one day. His name is Jesus. And we will all stand before him. And we will present to him what it is that we have accomplished with our lives. Jesus has given different talents to us, different abilities, different, different paths in life. To some he's given much, to others he's given little. The issue is not how much you have been given. The issue is what are you doing or what have you done? with what you have been given. That is the issue. The issue is faithfulness. This is how God defines success, faithfulness. He said to the servants who, who had multiplied what God had given them, he said, well done, good and faithful servants. Well done, good and faithful servants. This is what God is looking for. We do not know when Christ is returning, but what this parable teaches us is that until he returns, we must be busy working for him and working in his kingdom. We don't know when he's returning, but when he shows up, he should find us busy. He should find us laboring for him, multiplying what it is that he's entrusted to us. The issue is faithfulness. 1 Corinthians 4.2 says that it is required of stewards that we be found faithful. You see, the, the, the picture that the Bible paints for us as people is that we are not owners. God is the owner. 
You say, well, what is God the owner of? The answer is everything, including your life. God owns you. He created you. Amen. And so the issue for us is not an issue of ownership. I pray that God settles that in your life. You don't own anything, including your own life. You don't own the air you breathe. You don't own the water you drink. You don't own the food you eat. It all comes from God. Even your life, the animating force for you, it has come from God. And so then down into our possessions, if I don't even own my own life, how can I say I own anything? My clothes, my house, my car, the, the land my house sits on, that's about all I own. But anyway, like, I'm not an owner, I'm a steward. God is the owner. I pray that is settled in your life. And so then the issue is, God, how do you want me to use what you have entrusted to me? Lord, how do I use the resources that you have entrusted to me? God has entrusted all of us with the gospel. Hello, the greatest news the world has ever known. He's entrusted you with gifts, talents, abilities, a mind to think, ingenuity, energy. What are we doing with what we have been given? Are we using our resources for God and for his kingdom and to love and to serve others in the name of Christ and to bring more people into his family? Or are we using our talents and our abilities only for ourselves? Only for our own betterment, our own enrichment, our own well-being? Do we never look beyond the sphere of our own lives to see how we can be impacting the kingdom of God beyond ourselves? Are we using what God has given us or have you buried it in the ground? That is the question that lies before all of us. The unfaithful servant wasted what had been entrusted to him, wasted it. What are we doing with what we have been entrusted? So what is it? What, what is it that stops people? What is it that stops you? What is it that sometimes keeps us from using our talents in the kingdom of God? What, what stops us from Okay, what is the gift that God's given me? What are the resources that God has given me? How can, I, how can I use those? What is it that's stopping you from using your life for God's kingdom? If you look at this servant, the servant actually blames the master. The wicked servant blames the master. He says, I was afraid of you because I, I know that you're a harsh master. 
And so he let fear, potentially let fear stop him. I don't believe he was telling the truth because the, the master says, look, if you were really afraid of me, you would have done something. He says, you're not afraid. You're just wicked and lazy. So the issue is not the master, who we know is good and wonderful and amazing. The issue is with us. And sometimes I think fear can stop us. I think that's, that's true. You know, sometimes I've, I've, in my own life, I can look back at times where I, I felt like I had a gift or a talent or an ability, but I was afraid to use it. How many of you have ever been there before? You, you feel like you have a vision and something God's put in your heart, and well, what are people going to think of me if I share this, and they're going to laugh at me, or they're not going to, you know, blah, 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 me, 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 it's all about me, 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 you know, and FYI, it's not about you, stop making it about you. It couldn't be less about you. It's about God and his kingdom. I, I'm thankful that the times I have been fearful in my life, that I had a dad. My dad was someone who really stood behind me and pushed me to, to get beyond my fears, to, to step out and to, 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 to find out how God would use the gifts and talents that God is, has given in me and placed in, in my life. Some of you... Uh, might know this about me. Um, I was uh, terrified of public speaking for the majority of my teenage years. Just scared to death of public speaking. I, I remember my first speech class that I took at college. I was so nervous. And it was like a, it was like a two-minute speech, right? I mean, th this is... Speech 101 at community college, all right? So we're not talking about, you know, Ivy League students here. We're, we're talking about the, the people in my class were people who had stayed up all night playing video games in their mom's basement and had prepared nothing. That was my competition. Nevertheless, I was terrified of speaking to these people. And I was so afraid that I, I lost my voice. My, I, I, my, my mouth got so dry, I couldn't even get the words out. It was so embarrassing. And from that day forward, every time I speak, I always bring water because I found out that my voice dries up when I speak. I was terrified of public speaking. I was the first one to go. And I, I, like, I botched this. I, I'm... I, I need to find something, uh, some other line of work because standing in front of people and speaking is not good for me. And then this funny thing happened. I watched everybody else and how horrible they were. <laughs> and I had done even better without a voice than what they had done with a voice. They had like printed off a Wikipedia page and stood up there and read it. And I'm like, this is absurd. And so God used certain key points in my life and a dad who was just constantly filling me with encouragement. And, and when I would say things like, I'm afraid to talk in front of people. I don't think I'm good at that. He would say things like, stop listening to the devil. That's what the devil's saying over you. 
God says, you, you are a victorious champion in him and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know about that, but I mean, I guess you know, and I guess I got to listen to you. And so I had someone who pushed me, who, who helped push me beyond my fears. We need people like that in our lives. Amen. Amen. There have been times where I've, I've been the other. I've just been slothful and lazy. How many of you have been like that? I've been that. I've been that guy who hasn't ministered for the Lord because I was just lazy. And I also had a dad who knew how to come in and kick my behind into gear and say, get up. We're going to the church and you're going to get busy for the Lord. But dad, it's Saturday and I need my downtime, you know. It's like, what do you need downtime for? Your whole life is a vacation. Get up. Come with me. Help me do something for the Lord. And so there are times where we're afraid and we need someone to encourage us. There's times where we're just lazy. And we need someone to put their boot in our behind and to get us moving. Amen. But what is it that stops you? What is it that's keeping you, you know, when we bury our talents, when we bury our talents, not only are we being unfaithful to the Lord, but we're also robbing other people of a blessing. When we bury our talents, not only are we being unfaithful to the Lord, but we're robbing others of a blessing that God wants to do in their life. And so when we bury our talents, it's an incredibly selfish thing to do. And you know what? It's also, uh, it's also not good for you as well. Because God wants to do something in your life through the process. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna look at some applications here this morning and talk a little bit about faithfulness and some ways that we can apply this. The very easy application to make uh, for faithfulness and being a good steward is to just go straight to finances and to talk about money. That's not hard for us to see that, how God would require us to be faithful in our finances. I don't wanna spend a lot of time there today. I do wanna mention it. So I'll mention it briefly and then we'll move on. But I wanna ask you, are you a faithful giver, a consistent giver? Are you someone who gives financially to the Lord and to God's church on a regular basis? You say, well, what does regular mean? Well, I can tell you what the doctor defines regular as. We could start there. So it's not every other month or every other week, maybe every other week, I meant to say every other year or every other decade, right? Regular, faithful. Are you faithful in your giving? Are you consistent? The other thing the Bible teaches us about giving is that our giving should be in proportion to our income. Our giving should be in proportion to what we bring in. The other thing the Bible tells us is that we should be cheerful in our giving. And so to be faithful in our giving, it must be regular, 
It must be in proportion to what we receive. That means if you're making 100,000 a year, you should not be giving $1,000 to the church every year. That's not in proportion. That's not a, it's not a good proportion to your income. Amen. So I'm going to move on from that because I can feel the temperature rising in the room. So faithful is consistent, regular, in proportion to what we make, and cheerful. We give uh, out of a cheerful heart. And if we're not doing those things in our finances, we're not being faithful in them. We're not handling our financing, finances according to God's word. The other thing is our natural talents and abilities. Some of you are born and you're just an organizer. You think in steps. You think in outlines. You think of A, B, C. We're going to do it in that order. We need people like that in the kingdom of God. We desperately need people like that in, at Destiny Church, let me tell you. There are some people who say they don't like organized religion and so they don't want to go to church. And I say, come to Destiny Church where we have disorganized religion. You will love it here. Like, but, but we need people who have the gift of administration, who can look at a situation and say, well, we need you to do this and we need you to do that. And if you can handle this and it'll all come together and they can see the big picture. We need people who have natural talents, people who are naturally cheerful. We need people like that, because there's also people who aren't. And so we need the people who are to, to be out front and to be greeting people as people come in and to be helping and be serving. These natural abilities. Maybe you have a natural musical ability. We need people like that in our worship team. How many of you are blessed by the worship this morning? Amen, amen. Those are people who who could very easily be bearing their talent, who could very easily say, you know what, I don't want to show up for practice on Tuesday nights, to, to show up here and to spend three hours and then to spend another three hours throughout the week getting it ready, and to show up here on Sunday morning at 8.30. Man, it'd be so easy to not do that. But they make a sacrifice, and you know what happens? You're blessed because of it. The kingdom moves forward. And it's that way with every single ministry of the church. So what is it that you're naturally gifted at? And how are you using it? Have you buried it? Man, uncover it. Maybe you have a natural ability that you buried 20 years ago. And you think, man, could, could that still be used by God? Absolutely. Go dig it up. Go dust it off. Start using it for the kingdom of God. Amen. The other is, is spiritual gifts, the gifts of God's spirit. To look at those, and, and these are gifts that, they're not natural abilities, these are things that God supernaturally places into our lives. They're meant for building up the body of Christ and, and bringing the body of Christ, Christ into maturity in, 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 so that the, the body of Christ is not thrown around by everything going on in the world, but is steady and stable and solid. We need people with gifts of God's spirit. How are you using your spiritual gifts? Are you using them? Have you buried them? Go dig them up, dust them off. Start using them for the master. You know, 
For us to serve God and to serve God faithfully, it requires that we serve others. To serve God faithfully, we must serve others. It's required by God. And so we, we need to take inventory from time to time. We need to look at our lives and, and, and spend some time reflecting and, and say, okay, what is it that God has given me? What are my talents? What are my abilities? How can I use those in the body of Christ? How can I use those to, to share the gospel with others? And oftentimes, what you'll find out is that you think you, maybe you've got a little bit of a talent and you start using it and you find out, wow, there was all of this there and I never even knew it. God will pour into you more and more and more and you'll be able to give out and give out so much more than you could even have envisioned to begin with. You know, the Bible uh, talks about, uh, in, in 1 Corinthians 6, it says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God with your body. Listen, when I gave my life to Jesus, I surrendered my life to him. I surrendered my life to him. I said, God, here's my life. You own it. What do you want me to do with it? I don't have any more rights. I don't have any more claims on my life. I've surrendered them all to God. And that's how I view ministry, and that's how I view my gifts, my talents, my time. It doesn't belong to me. When you, when you come to Christ, when you put your faith in Christ, it's not that Jesus is only Savior. He also must be Lord. And so we give our lives to Christ. And we say, how, Jesus, how do you want me to use my life? How do you want me to spend my time? How do you want me to invest my income? How do you want me to use my gifts? I belong to Jesus. That's not just something I say, it's the truth. And I don't think we give that enough consideration in our lives. I do not think that when we look at our calendar and when we look at our bank account, that we consider enough, wait a second, Jesus Christ is my Lord. How does he want me to spend my time this month? How does he want me to spend my income? How does he want me to invest my talents? I think we, can you, can you imagine a church where everyone in the church started their month by praying and saying, God, show me how to spend my time this month. Help me to be a wise steward of my time. God, show me how to spend my income this month. Help me to be a wise steward of what you've given me. Can you imagine what a place like that would look like? And then that actually did it. But we, we're just, we're caught up in this rat race of the American dream and, and more and bigger and, and, and materialism and wasting our time on frivolous pursuits. Listen, I'm not saying you can't enjoy some good entertainment and you can't enjoy a, a nice night out on the town with your wife and go out on a date and, and get some food and see a movie. I'm not saying you can't do that. But it, if you're doing that every single night and that's all you're ever doing, you're living life beneath what God's called you to do. Amen. Amen. Our focus needs to not be on the things of this earth, 
but to set our minds on things that are above the eternal things that will last. The other thing I want you to see is that faithfulness requires work. Faithfulness requires work, serving others, rolling up our sleeves, getting our hands dirty. Faithfulness is not easy. And it's not a sprint. Faithfulness is a lifelong process, day in and day out. There are no shortcuts to living a faithful life. There are no shortcuts to getting to the end and hearing, well done, good and faithful servant. It is a life of giving, a life of sacrificing, a life of serving. And and it's not always easy. Oftentimes it's not easy at all, but it's filled with joy. It's filled with love. It's filled with peace. It's filled with all the things that money cannot buy. But in, in our culture, sometimes we, we think that if something is hard or difficult, that there's something wrong. We, we think that things should be easy. But I want you to know that's not a biblical idea at all. We live in a fallen and broken world. If we're trying to extend the kingdom of God in a broken world under a broken system, we need to know that it's not going to be easy. And that's not, doesn't mean that something has gone wrong. For Jesus, faithfulness looked like the cross. I don't know what faithfulness will look like for you, but I'm certain it will not be easy. And there will be days where you just wish that you could throw in the towel or call someone else or, man, somebody else will pick up the slack. Listen, faithfulness requires sacrifice, and that's okay. That's okay. Let me tell you, I'm going to tell you a couple of quick stories, and then uh, we'll go uh, today. Um, this morning, we were led into worship by Justin Engler, and he just did a phenomenal job for us today. Amen. What you do not know is that he is sick today, that he could not sleep last night, and stayed up all night with a throat that was on fire, could not even swallow or speak. And yet he got up today, persevered, pushed through, and said, I will be faithful. I will show up. I have made a commitment. And whether or not uh, I feel like it, because I don't, I I'm going to let God use me today. And because of his faithfulness, man, I was so blessed today. I I was like, man, I was, uh, worship was incredible today. God was doing something awesome during worship. And so I'm thankful that he persevered and pushed through, amen. So that's just one example of what faithfulness looks like. Um, Another example of, maybe it's the fear one. Um, one One of the great, great ministries Uh, that we have here at Destiny Church is our Celebrate Recovery Ministry. How many of you have been blessed by that ministry? Amen. Okay, well, whatever. (laughs) Hundreds of people have come through this program and have had their lives changed 
by what God is doing in our Celebrate Recovery ministry, and it is awesome. What you do not know is that the person who started Celebrate Recovery was a man named Richard Anderson, who started the ministry here at our church, and after leading the ministry as best as he did, could, for the first year, he got it up off the ground, he, he built a leadership team, he moved away. And so the ministry was about to stop after a year, and because and the, the, you know, the leader was leaving. And so I thought, you know, there's one person on the leadership team that can do this. I have confidence in them, that they can take it and that they can run with it. And that is the current leader, John and Irma Nelson. What you don't know is that I took John out to coffee and said, hey, Richard's leaving. Um, if Celebrate Recovery is going to continue, you're going to have to step up. If you don't step up, we're just going to stop it because there's no, there, there's no other real viable leader here. I want you to pray about this. And he basically said, I don't think I can do it. And I'm being right. I'm being honest, right? He, he's, I, I'm not ready. I don't know the material. Blah, 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 blah. I said, stop listening to the devil. Listen, man. God has equipped you. God has, incur God has placed every everything you need he's put in you. And you've got the spirit of God alive inside of you. And he said, okay, all right. I'll, I'll give it a shot. I, I think I can do it. And what God has done in that ministry over the last four years, it's just a God thing. They'll have, they'll have sometimes 80 people on Friday nights up there being set free from bondage, addiction, the hurts of the past. And what God is doing is because someone said, I will use what God has given me. I will invest my time. I will invest my talent. I will invest my treasure. I will make the sacrifices because Jesus has sacrificed for me. And when we do that, there's multiplication. There's multiplication. When we bury it, nothing happens. And so I, I just want to encourage you in this. Look at your life. Look at your time. Am I using it wisely? Am, am I investing my life? Are there places where I can cut some things out to make room for kingdom things in my life? And if there is, man, do it. Step out in faith. You might not have all the answers, but God is awesome. And he will work in your life and he will empower you by his spirit and he will help you to be faithful for him. Amen. 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 I want to leave you with this phrase today. It's something that I've adopted in my life and I try to remember it often. And it's this phrase, no more wasted days. No more wasted days. I've wasted too many days in my life. No more wasted days. I want to make every day count for the kingdom of God. I want to make every day count because the Lord is returning. There are people who have yet to hear the gospel message. There are people who need uh, redemption and salvation and their broken lives restored. And I want to do everything that I can. No more wasted days. Amen. I want to encourage you to remember that in your life. No more wasted days. Now, there are times where you're tired and a day of rest is needed. That's not a wasteful day. There's days where recreation is important. 
And exercise is important. So I want you to understand that there are times where we, we enjoy life. And it's not always, you know, nose to the grindstone. But our focus and our attention and what we're living our lives for, it needs to be the kingdom of God. And if we will do that, we will be faithful. And God will cause us to be fruitful. And the kingdom of God will go forward. Amen.